Thank you guys for a great, great time of worship together. So glad to see you here on this holiday week. Uh, when, uh, boy, when the 4th of July comes on a Wednesday, it kind of messes everything up. But I'm glad you're here uh, this morning. We're going to look in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 4 this morning. So we think about the only hope for America, Daniel chapter 4. Uh, let me also just say, I guess you got a text just a few moments ago. We've been praying for Ashley, uh, Daughtry's uh, grandmother. She went to be with the Lord this morning early, so pray for uh, that family as they're going through that. She loved the Lord, and, and uh, they're rejoicing, but at the same time, you know what a void that leaves in a family. Daniel chapter 4, and uh, we'll not read all of it, but we'll refer back to the entire chapter uh, 37 verses throughout the message. But would you stand with me as we begin reading Daniel 4, 1, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath brought toward me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house, flourishing in my palace. And I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed, and the visions of my head troubled me. Father, thank you this morning. There's so many things we are so thankful for. We're thankful for the United States, this country, realizing that we are where we are because of the God of who you are. Realizing that we've not done anything other than like the children of Joshua there as they attacked Jericho. You're the God who has fought for us. You're the God in the middle of wars that have changed uh, weather patterns. You've changed minds. You've, you've, Lord, had your hand upon uh, the freedom and uh, what we have enjoyed. And because of you, everything we have, we give you praise. I ask you this morning to speak to our hearts in these next few moments. And we'll praise your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> one thing, I, I, July 1st slipped up on us here really quick. Uh, but one thing, there's a couple of traditions that we have. doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. It's just traditions. Uh, one of the traditions we have, and I'd forgotten about it, but my entire staff was uh, filling up my text uh, yesterday, wanting to know, uh, are we going to do it? Yes, July is no tie month at Woodland Hills. There's only one month we do that. And Aaron, and uh, well, Aaron's the only one I see the staff member. The rest of them all dressed down. Uh, but he gets one more week in August because he's got a tie on this morning, amen? So he gets one more week in August. And, uh, but if you want to wear a tie, wear a tie. But it's just something we just kind of have a little fun with uh, because you'll see us in coat and ties all the rest of the year. But July, we just kind of let our hair down. And uh, <laughs> I quit doing that several years ago, so I went to no ties, all right? Uh, when you look at Daniel, you think about an unrivaled world leader, 
a powerful nation whose influence reaches out to every nation on the face of the earth. And you may think immediately, that's, that's the United States of America. And it could very well fit that same bill. But it also fits uh, the uh, Babylon. Uh, Daniel chapter 4 is, is really, I think, a timely prophetic word for our country as well as it was for uh, Daniel. Now, one thing we're not really thrilled with, but it's still the truth, is God has ordained government. I mean, whether you like it or not, God's ordained it. Uh, Romans 13, 1, there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. So that means the president we have now, God allowed to happen or is in the process of supporting that, you take your pick. The president we had before, God allowed it to happen or God was in the process of promoting that, you take your pick. But I want to tell you something, nothing has caught God by surprise. There's no surprises in the kingdom of God. He's ordained government, and government is established for the benefit of the people. It's for our protection. It's for our prosperity. And the character and integrity of a nation's citizens and leaders is really the most important factor in whether a nation is going to be blessed by God. The Word of God says righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was not the first, and he certainly hadn't been the last and probably will not be the last uh, to forget that uh, uh, power corrupts, uh, and then someone has said absolute power corrupts absolutely. But he, was for, he forgot that he was given power to bless the people, to help the people. And that's what government is for. That's what leadership's for. Uh, we say over and over in the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, we don't mean it. We're lying about it. But, but we say it. It's good. It's good on paper. That uh, the uh, real uh, law people of the Southern Baptist Convention, the governing body of the Southern Baptist Convention, is in the local New Testament church. That's what we believe. Now, what we practice is whatever Nashville sends down, that's what we do. Or some do. We don't do that, but some do. But I want to tell you, leaders are not meant to set up for themselves. Leaders are meant to be a blessing to the people. And Nebuchadnezzar forgot that. And uh, he tells of the great things in verses 1 through 3 of, of what God has done for him in the past tense perspective. Then he makes an admission here that's probably the part of the reason why he's going to get in trouble. And it's really probably part of the reason why we're in trouble as a country, as the United States of America. And that is he confesses that he was at ease in his house and flourishing in his palace. He was comfortable. He was complacent. And as long as we can get to the place where we're comfortable, where we're complacent, I've told you this, man, I think God gave me this. I just believe that many of us have beat our swords into plowshares prematurely. Nobody wants to fight anymore. Well, I'm not thrilled about it either. But according to the word of God, we're in a warfare. Now, you can hide yourself in the foxhole if you want to, but I'm going to tell you, the devil's going to find you wherever you are. So we're still in a warfare, and it's not a fleshly warfare. It's a spiritual warfare. And so 
He says he's flourishing, he's complacent here. His vanity and pride led him into exile in his own country. And uh, he's been a man that has had dreams before. And uh, uh, he has this dream. Uh, and uh, let's, just, let's just dig into it so we can get out of here, all right? The first hope for America is this, that Christians need to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Now, you didn't hear that, so let me say it again. The first hope for this country doesn't have anything to do with Republican, doesn't have anything to do with Democrat, doesn't have anything to do with, with Austin or Washington, D.C. If we want this country to be the country that God set it up to be, we as his people must be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's what we've got to do. Now, the king has this dream, and he does just like us. I mean, come on, be honest. If I have a problem, I sit down and I try to figure that problem out. If I can't figure it out, I go to my wife and I say, we have a problem. <laughs> and then we sit down and try to figure it out. And if that doesn't work, then I go to God and say, God, we've got a problem. When in reality, it ought to be flip-flopped. I ought to go to God first. Daniel does the same thing. He brings in the magicians. Now, we've not read all this, but verse 6 and 7 talks about it. He was recounting this dream. It made him afraid. He brought in the wise men of Babylon, and he demanded they make known to him what the interpretation was. You'd think by this time that Nebuchadnezzar, after all the dreams he's had, would understand there's only one man of God who can do that, and that's Daniel. But you'd also think that by the time we're 65 years old, we'd get it in our head that we ought to trust God before we ask advice for other people. But we don't. So the magicians, the astrologers all failed him again. And it says, uh, they did not make known unto me the interpretation. Same story. So Daniel was called after all the others failed. Uh, he's second choice. It's always wonderful to be second choice. Brother Clark did a marvelous uh, uh, little saying this morning that I got. On, I'm sure some of you got. It says the... Early bird does get the worm, but the second mouse gets the cheese. Huh? Now, is that not rich or is that rich? <laughs> huh? He, he's not the first choice. The first choice is the astrologers and all of the people of, of, uh, of his nation. They all fail him. Daniel's the second choice. He comes in. The same hope of pagan Babylon is the hope for America. When the king really needs help, when this country really needs help, we call on God. It just doesn't last. Many of you in this room today can remember very well all the years we've gone through as a nation. We don't want God in the schools. We don't want God in the government. We don't want the Bible over here. We don't want no crosses. We don't want no statues. But boy, you let two planes hit the World Trade Center and we're all holding hands praying, Oh God, have mercy upon us. But so soon after, it's forgotten again. It's been said that what matters today is not who's in the White House, but who's in your house. Who's in your house? 
Or are you really leading your house the way God Almighty intends for you to lead your house? Because I'm going to be honest with you, we look like hypocrites when we stand up as Christians trying to correct things in our country when we won't even correct them in our own house. We're doing a, starting this month also, we haven't done this in several years, but we do it occasionally, 30 souls in 30 days during the month of July. 30 souls in 30 days. Now, if a congregation this size with a staff this size can't win 30 souls in the next 30 days, we probably ought to all shut down and go home. I mean, the real, isn't the real task of the church to win seeking to save those who were lost? I mean, in that, so we've got 30 days starting tomorrow through July, 30 days. Our last Sunday, you know, God, I, God gave me that, and then I started, you know how the devil is. When I, look, Charles, that may be a little bit too much. And so then I, I de derided a thing where we just have 30 people, whether they're already saved and joined this church or whether they're, and God said, that's not what I said. You need to see 30 souls saved in 30 days. We need to once again get back to the place where the people's souls are more important than buildings or offerings or anything else. It's about people. You want to see your country restored to godly principles? Most of us would say, sure we do. If you want to change your country and make a difference, God's looking for a few good men and women. It's going to start with us. It's going to start with me. What's wrong with America is what's wrong with us. It's the way we're living. It's the way we're worshiping. It's the way we're praying. We're not even good examples to our own children and grandchildren. No amount of legislation is going to change that. Well, the early church was involved in soul winning and winning souls. Let's get back to the king's dreams. The king in this... Uh, in this dream here, he saw a tremendous tree in the middle of the earth, large, strong. Uh, that tree reached to the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful. Its fruit was abundant, and on it was food for everyone. And wild animals found shelter in it. The birds of the air lived in its branches, and every creature was fed from it. And the king's dream, he sees an observer, a holy one coming down from heaven, and the Holy One announced that the tree's going to be cut down. The only thing that would remain would be the stump. Now, that language, when you get to verse 15, you, you turn suddenly from the tree to a man. Nevertheless, he said, verse 15, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass and the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven. And let his portion be with the beast in the grass of the earth. Now, Daniel was stunned. His thoughts alarmed him. There was a general concern. And then he courageously and compassionately, David tells him, Nebuchadnezzar, you're the man he's talking about. You're the man. Hmm. The only hope for America is be led by the Holy Spirit. Second thing, the only hope for America is for Christians to courageously speak the truth. 
Folks, we're not getting anywhere when we're just lulling people to sleep. We're not getting anywhere when we're just seeing our kids and our grandkids uh, take away from the road of Christianity and go down a road that we very well know is going to lead to destruction. But we put our arms around them and say, honey, just want you to know I'm praying for you, but you know, you, you got to do what you got to do. God knows our hearts. In reality, you ought to be crying and begging and pleading them to come back. We've got to tell the truth. Now, you've got to do it in love, but it takes courage. Daniel could have just as easily sided with the uh, magicians here and the astrologers and said, hey, you're going to live to be a good old age, Dan uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Everything going to be all right. Man, God's blessed you. Everything going to be all right. Daniel wouldn't do that. He said, King, you're not going to like this, but what he's talking about is you. It's you. The cutting down of the tree is the sentence of the Most High God against Nebuchadnezzar. And, and, he, and, he, and he says that it's going to be carried out. It's seasoned, though, with a word of hope. See, he said, you, you, this tree's going to be cut down. But you've got one year, you've got 12 months to get your house in order and to get everything right. There's hope there. See, everyone wants to look at a conservative church and say, all they preach is doom and gloom. Yeah, there's doom and gloom. But in the middle of it, there's hope also. Jesus still saves. Jesus still unifies. There's hope in the midst of the storm. It's a message of warning and judgment. But then Daniel gives an invitation to the king. And in verse 27 is where, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. He said, hey, it does look bad. But there's hope in Jesus. There's hope if you'll turn around. So the word of judgment comes as an invitation to follow God and avert all of this. The third thing here is the only hope for America, only hope for America, is that people understand biblical repentance and brokenness. That's the only hope we've got. Daniel tells the king here, you separate yourself from your sins. How is he to do that? Well, he said, you do what's right. You, you see the meaning? You're separating yourselves from your sins. Daniel highlights a specific area of sin that Nebuchadnezzar is to separate from. He said, you're injustices. You separate that. On the positive side, he said, you're to show mercy to those who need it. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of heart. We turn from sin and we turn to God. It's a complete turnaround. He doesn't do it. God uses his glory for his glory. Those people who have repented and who are broken. I jotted a few down. <laughs> it was through the breaking down of Jacob's natural strength at Peniel that he was brought to the place where God could clothe him in spiritual power. It was the breaking of the surface of the rock at Horeb by the striking of Moses' rod that let cool water flow out of there. It was when the 300 elect soldiers under Gideon broke their pitchers, a type of breaking of themselves that the hidden light shone forth. It was when the poor widow broke the seal on that little pot of oil uh, and, and the oil 
was multiplied to pay her debts and supply her needs. It was when Jesus took the five loaves and broke them that he was able to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. It was when Mary broke the beautiful alabaster box that the room filled with perfume. It was when Jesus allowed his precious body to be broken by the thorns, by the nails, and by the spear. The redemption poured forth like a crystal stream which sinners could live and drink from. The Lord blesses broken things. Uh, We've been fighting in the Southern Baptist Convention uh, for years. I think it started back in 2012. And we're, you, you know, it's like two kids Uh, arguing over the same thing and the only thing different is somebody's wording or somebody's terminology but we decided there was a big group back in 2010 or so and it finally made its way in the convention to 2020 uh, 2012 and that was that people begin to say you can't be saved by a sinner's prayer can't be saved by a sinner's prayer well all of us who believe in sinner's prayer hello I'm one of them But all of us who believe in a sinner's prayer, I don't know of a one of us that thinks that prayer is going to save you. If that's not sincere coming from your heart, that's nothing more but words. That's all that is. But listen, when you're on your face before God and you pray out to God, you cry out to God with that sinner's prayer, I think he hears you. I think the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But it's, it's really nothing more than just terminology. It's just, well, see, we, we discovered that year in 2012, we had an important resolution. And a resolution to a Baptist church is about what a watch means to a preacher has one on the pulpit. <laughs> Not very much. But we passed a resolution that said this. Repentance means a full change. Everybody agrees with that. Listen, if you've repented of your sins and you said, I'm going to follow Christ, and it hasn't changed your life, you're something wrong there somewhere. Jesus doesn't come in. He's not going to be added on. See, that's the, the, the problem with this. I don't want to get over here in this group that says, you got to do this, 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 this. Because you see, they're making salvation complicated. And Jesus said, if you don't come as a little child, you can't even be saved. So it's not complicated. And then you get over here on this side. It's just, don't worry about what you're doing. Don't worry about your life. Just come to Jesus. Just pray this prayer. Come to Jesus. Well, that's cheap grace. I'm telling you, when you repent and you're broken and Jesus comes in, he changes your life. The king was given 12 months to try to get things right with God, and he would not. Let me ask you something this morning. Just just between you, don't you dare mention this. How long been... How long has God been trying to get your attention to make some changes in your life? And nobody knows anything about it except you. Every time you lay your head down on the pillow, that thought comes up. Every time you're in a situation, that same thought comes up. How long has God been trying to get your attention so that you can make a change? I want to tell you what the Word of God says. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, 
today. You say, preacher, there's too many people. No, not if the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. You're not worried about people. Get your eyes off people. Put your eyes on Jesus. Well, let me give you the fourth thing here, and we'll wind up. The only hope for America is when people realize that their only purpose in life is to glorify God. That's what it is. That's what it is. Hey, I believe this with all my heart. Now listen to me. There are a lot of preachers. I didn't take any videos this morning because I don't want to take the rap. I'm tired of fooling with them. Saying, oh my goodness, y'all shouldn't be saluting the flag in the worship service. Now, if you're here this morning and you think that what we've done is worship America, you probably need to have a few counseling sessions. I don't know of anybody in this church that's worshiping anyone except the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've been a part of a service that, thank God for America. Thank God for the men and women who gave their life so we could be here today. I praise God for that. That's a part of reality. What the ultimate reality is, we pledge allegiance to the Lamb of God. That's who we worship. We're not worshiping America. And for somebody to get on Facebook and say, well, that church just worshiped America this morning. Well, that's, I, I got to quit before I get in trouble. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar didn't realize a couple of very important things. First of all, he only built Babylon because God gave him the power to do it. He's admitting all that God did for him, but then he turns around and talks about all I've done. All of this Babylon. And the second thing is he, it was built not to glorify God, but to glorify Nebuchadnezzar. And the ironic thing is, when Daniel said, Nebuchadnezzar, you've got 12 months to get this done. Would you listen to the counsel of the man of God? When you approach him with that, he gets even more hard-headed, more prideful. Hmm. The result of not glorifying God. Wow. The voice came from heaven, giving the sentence. The kingdom was departed. Verse 31 says, while the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass, or seven years shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High God ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. <laughs> the scary thing about America and where we're in right now, if God gives us the rulers that we really deserve, we're in a big, big mess. I mean, to a country that's murdered more than 50 million babies, to a country that said, God, your word's not important to us, you can't worship in, in man, how many of you in this place this morning remember going to school? Ours was different. Every day after we came in from lunch and recess, we had a Bible story. I was in the public schools. That wasn't the Christian schools. That's the public schools. The kingdom has departed. 
You see, when man is apart from God, seeking to be his own God, ends up degrading himself, even lower than the animals. Mm. We're busy today building the towers of Babel, doomed to suffer the curse that fell on Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel could not guarantee that God would stay the punishment. Daniel never said, Nebuchadnezzar, if you would repent, I guarantee you God won't do this to you. He said, I can't guarantee that. We'll pray that God will give you that tranquility, but I can't promise that. But he said, I can tell you this, if you build your life, your marriage, your foundation on anything in this world but the Lord, it will crumble. I can promise you that. Here's the exciting thing. Verses 34 through 37 talk about it. There are two changes in this. The first change was Nebuchadnezzar's loss of humanity. He's out here eating grass like a beast of the field. But the second change occurs when the king, the Bible says, looked up into heaven. That's when the change came over him. That's when he recognized. The Bible says in verse 34, listen to it. Uh, and at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned. Some of your translations may say, I regained my sanity. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Something done got a hold of old Nebuchadnezzar. When did it happen? When he looked up. That's when it's going to happen for you. You got your eyes glued on all these things down here on the earth, on people, on things that are happening. If there is a God, why would this happen? I mean, all this. What you need to do this morning, friend, is look up. See our Lord high and lifted up. He's exalted above all others. We uh, spend a lot of time. I read it every day. I know I probably shouldn't. But I read Dear Abby or Ann Landers, whoever I can get a hold of every day. I just like a little thrill out of life. Sometimes she's right on target. And sometimes she's way off target. When Nebuchadnezzar looked up to heaven, he praised the Most High and glorified him and honored him. And God changed him. Changed dramatically. Now here's the good news. He waited seven years. You don't have to wait that long. I'm telling you this very morning right now today if God is speaking to you you say well how do I know if it's God I'll promise I'll promise you this it's not the devil putting in your heart that you need to walk down the aisle and be saved this morning I promise you if if, if that's in your mind right now trust me it's coming from God the last thing the devil wants to see you do is be saved you don't have to wait that long you can come today you want peace, you want joy, you want to really live and desire the favor of God, it's coming back to him. This was in 1996, so it's been 22 years ago, but it fits just as well this morning. And I know you've read this, Pastor Joe Wright, they asked him to pray at the Kansas House of Representatives, and he unloaded a sermon in just a few moments 
that has rocked the world, and people have been you know, talking about it ever since. Let, let me just quote it for you. Heavenly Father, we come before you today to ask your forgiveness and to seek your direction and guidance. Your word says, woe to those who call evil good. But that's exactly what we've done. We have ridiculed the absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We've worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyle. We've exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We've rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We've killed our unborn and called it choice. We've shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We've neglected to discipline our own children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it politics. We've coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We've polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We've ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O oh God. Know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin. Set us free. Amen. That still is just as true today as it was in 1996. The Declaration of Independence in which we celebrate in the second paragraph, you'll find this. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. There's three affirmations made there that literally would turn our country around if we would support them. The first thing that's there is the affirmation that there is absolute truth. We hold these truths to be self-evident. You know what he's saying here? He's saying it's not going to take a rocket scientist to figure out there's absolute truth in the world. It's based on the Ten Commandments. Secondly, you'll find in this paragraph uh, that we're created beings. We're created by a divine creator. Where did it come from? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're created beings. Thirdly, you'll find in this paragraph the recognition that there are moral absolutes. All men are endowed with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. That's how this country was founded, by those things. <clears throat> Some of you older people, if you kids probably never saw this, but uh, in years gone by, there's one up at Grapeland, I think it's probably still working, at Salmon, uh, Salmon, Salmon Park is what we call it. Uh, it's called a water wheel. And what would happen is the water would come down the creek and hit this wheel and make it turn. And as it turned, it would thrash the, the uh, weed or grain and the flour, or et cetera, whatever was there. But if the miller got there one day and discovered that the wheel was not turning, he had several options. First thing I'm sure he would do was go try to turn that wheel like wheel of fortune. You know, he'd try to turn that thing, but it wouldn't turn. You know what he'd end up having to do? If the wheel's not turning, that probably means that somewhere up the creek, there's something that's blocking the flow of water. And when you get rid of that that's blocking the flow of water, suddenly the water comes and the wheel begins to turn again. I want to tell you this morning, 
<laughs> We're all over this country. We're trying to figure out why in the world the wheel's not turning, why God's not blessing. We're trying to make, make wheels go around. In the bulletins, we list all of our activities. We're urging people to visit, to, to call folks, sing in the choir, invite others to church and pray for revival. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. We ought to be doing every bit of that. But if there's something in our life that's jammed up the flow upstream, it's never going to come out of our life. It's going to be stopped. And the only way we can do it is to find what it is, repent and be broken and come back to Jesus. It's a call for a decision. I love D.L. Moody. I love him most because he's just an ignorant old boy, butchered the king's English, just like me. We had a lot in common. <laughs> Moody loved children. He had no education or anything, but he loved children and he loved people, period. He started a Sunday school there in Chicago, built a church there in Chicago, thousands of people. It's still a tremendous college there and all right there in Chicago. One night he preached to thousands of people and he said, I want you to go home tonight and I want you to think about what we've said. He just kind of thought in his heart, maybe instead of just giving an invitation, I'll just jolt them into it. We're not having an invitation. You go home, think about it. As the church was being dismissed, the bells began to ring about the fire. And the great Chicago fire started right at that moment as the church was dismissed. And when it was all done, 300 people had been killed. 90,000 left homeless, and Chicago lay in ashes. Dale Moody said, I learned a couple of things I've never forgot. He said, first of all, I've learned that I'll never see that congregation again. Right here this morning, some of you may never be back in this place again. God may call you home. I don't know. God may call me home. I may never see any of you again we get on the other side of glory I don't know he said I learned that I'll never see that congregation again and he said I learned this when I preach I call for a decision on the spot it's urgent this is not something that's a game if you need Jesus the time to come to Jesus is now right now don't walk out of this room was it yesterday or Friday? I can't remember which. Down in the hill country. Youth director with the boys in one van. His wife with the girls in the other van. Going to camp. Somebody passed over the middle line. Hit him head on. She's killed just like that. Man, you want to know why? When our kids go off, I say, please pray. Please pray. Now, we don't know what awaits us. But I tell you, in the midst of all of the gloom and doom, the same God who visited Daniel in the lion's den is the same God who will speak to us today. Amen. He's the same God. Would you come to him? Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe you need to just repent of your sins. Maybe you need to just come kneel at this altar and just talk with the Lord. Maybe you need a church home. Hey, 
this is the best one this side of heaven. You won't find one better. Maybe that's what God, if God doesn't want you here, then don't you come. You'll mess your life up and you'll mess this church up. You go where God wants you. God has purposed a place for everybody to work. And I promise you, this church is not for everybody. If you're one of those, well, I'm just telling you, this church is not for everybody. <laughs> but if you want to roll your sleeves up and go to work for the Lord, and you want to pray, and you want to worship Jesus, and it don't bother you that somebody stands up and shouts, and somebody's hollering amen, then, brother, I will tell you, they're not, you won't find anything else. Your choice. Father, thank you today. Your love and mercy. Mm. I think it's what Will sang earlier that, Lord, sometimes we just get tired. We get lonely. Oh, God, help us when that happens to look up. When we're down and we're depressed, oh, God, help us to look up, knowing that you're still in control of everything. Lord, would you move in and out of this crowd today and knock on people's hearts' door that need to be saved before it's eternally too late? Would you, Lord Jesus, reach those that need a church home? Would you reach those that just need to come and say, I know I'm saved, but I'm not living anything for Jesus. I want to come back home. Lord, would you have your way? We realize that unless you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, touch people and draw them today, everything we said is a useless. So, Lord, do your ministry, and may we be obedient to you. In Jesus. you guys for a great, great time of worship together. So glad to see you here on this holiday week. Uh, when, uh, well, when the 4th of July comes on a Wednesday, it kind of messes everything up. But I'm glad you're here uh, this morning. We're going to look in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 4 this morning. So we think about the only hope for America, Daniel chapter 4. Uh, let me also just say, I just got a text just a few moments ago with you guys for a great, great time of worship together. So glad to see you here on this holiday week. Uh, when, uh, well, when the 4th of July comes on a Wednesday, it kind of messes everything up. But I'm glad you're here uh, this morning. We're going to look in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 4 this morning. So we think about the only hope for America, Daniel chapter 4. Uh, let me also just say, I just got a text just a few moments ago. We've been praying for Ashley, uh, Daughtry's uh, grandmother. She went to be with the Lord this morning early. So pray for uh, that family as they're going through that. She loved the Lord and, and uh, they're rejoicing. But at the same time, you know what a void that leaves in a family. Daniel chapter 4. And uh, we'll not read all of it, but we'll refer back to the entire chapter uh, 37 verses throughout the message. But would you stand with me as we begin reading Daniel 4, 1, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath brought toward me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house, flourishing in my palace. And I saw a dream which made me afraid. 
and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Father, thank you this morning. There's so many things we are so thankful for. We're thankful for the United States, this country, realizing that we are where we are because of the God of who you are. Realizing that we've not done anything other than like the children of Joshua there as they attacked Jericho. You're the God who has fought for us. You're the God in the middle of wars that have changed uh, weather patterns. You've changed minds. You've, you've, Lord, had your hand upon uh, the freedom and uh, what we have enjoyed. And because of you, everything we have, we give you praise. I ask you this morning to speak to our hearts in these next few moments. We'll praise your holy name in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> one thing, I, I, July 1st slipped up on us here really quick. Uh, but one thing, there's a couple of traditions that we have. doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. It's just traditions. Uh, one of the traditions we have, and I'd forgotten about it, but my entire staff was uh, filling up my text uh, yesterday wanting to know, uh, are we going to do it? Yes. July is no tie month at Woodland Hills. There's only one month we do that. And Aaron and, uh, well, Aaron's the only one I see the staff member, the rest of them all dressed down. Uh, but he gets one more week in August because he's got a tie on this morning. Amen. So he gets one more week in August. And, uh, but if you want to wear a tie, wear a tie, but it's just something we just kind of have a little fun with. Uh, because you'll see us in coat and ties all the rest of the year. But July, we just kind of let our hair down. And uh, <laughs> I quit doing that several years ago, so I went to no ties. All right? Uh, when you look at Daniel, you think about an unrivaled world leader, a powerful nation whose influence reaches out to every nation on the face of the earth. And you may think immediately, that's, that's the United States of America. And it could very well fit that same 